the first year we fished it, we won first place with a 654-pound wow. blue marlin. $575,000. Wow. For three days of fishing. Wow. That's not that's not a bad weekend. <laughs> not a bad at all. <laughs> Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. Hey everyone, I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 34 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. We're heading into the final days of summer, and that means it's time for the kids to head back to school. It's an exciting time for both students and their parents as they transition into the school routine. Back to school is also a great opportunity to document your child's next steps with a picture. I mean, Honestly, is the first day of school really complete without a picture to prove that it even happened? Did it happen without a picture? But we'd love to have you share your little or not so little ones back to school pictures, whether it's their first day of kindergarten, junior high, high school, college, or anywhere between. Just send your pictures to marketing at newsbomb.com so we can share them in our monthly newsletter and we can all celebrate the end of summer and back to school time together. And With school starting back up, this is also a great time to be especially attentive to school zones. Be very aware as you travel through town. Vehicle traffic is up, but pedestrian traffic especially is significantly heavier, especially around schools and in college towns like here in Normal. So slow down, take your time, be looking all around you, and always be prepared for the unexpected. Your diligence just might save a life. In this week's feature exchange, I got to sit down with yet another extraordinarily interesting driver from Newsbomb. Dennis Gray has experience upon experience in a multitude of disciplines, not the least of which includes being a boat captain and competing with a sport fishing team. Dennis is sure to reel you in with his stories and unique insights. So hang on for this whale of an exchange. Here is Dennis Gray and his real fish story. Hey Dennis, I am so excited to to have you here. Uh, we just kind of were chatting a little bit here already, going back and forth and learning a little bit more about you. But I'm really, I'm really excited here to uh, find out your story and, and a little bit more of some of these details that you were just sharing with me. Appreciate you calling me in here. Just surprised you didn't bring the pizza for lunch. Well, you know, <laughs> it's getting later in the day, and I, I haven't had my lunch yet. We may have Neither to get something <laughs> ordered in here. Order the pizza. <laughs> We'll have Ryan uh, work on getting that, making that happen here. But, uh, well, Dennis, I want to, let's go ahead and just, uh, you've got a lot of story here and want to kind of hit some of the high points here, but I want to go back to, you told me that you graduated or you, you got out of high school early, yes, right? Yes, I did. Uh, and you went into the Army. Well, I graduated early from high school, uh, got my paperwork and everything in January, went straight to the University of Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tried one semester, decided that that wasn't my thing. My dad was 24 years military. My brother was in the military at the time. So I joined the Army Security Agency and spent 12 years in the military. Did you uh, do any overseas, anything, anything oh, yeah. deployed? 
Yeah, I went, went to Germany and to okay. uh, Okinawa and uh, became a scuba diving instructor in Okinawa. Hmm. Uh, took advantage of all the opportunities that were there. Uh, in Germany, I learned how to ski, uh, worked for the recreation centers, and skied for two years for free working with the rec center. <laughs> you know, the more you keep talking, the more interesting you become here. <laughs> I've got a long history. I'm an old man. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm picturing going from scuba diving to, to skiing and then, you know, everything else that we're going to get into here. Um, coming out of the Army, what did, what did you do next? I went to a computer corporation uh, based in Houston, Texas, or out of Houston, Texas, where I worked at. Um, was a computer service technician okay. for Memorex Corporation. About what, what time was this? What year? That was in around 1985. Okay, so this was before... I'll tell you my age. Computers were... Yeah, mainstream in, in in the it, this personal was, computers. Yeah, this was IBM's uh, big mainframe stuff, where a computer that had you know decent capacity could take up three of these buildings. Disk drives yeah. were eighty gigabyte at the time. That was a major string of equipment. Right, right. Uh, con- air controlled, uh, con- climate yeah. controlled computer rooms, and raised floors. Now my phone will do more than the first computers I ever worked on. <laughs> no, no kidding. Spent eight years with them and uh, had, I think, about 20 of us uh, when I first started out as customer service in Houston. And then uh, it started changing. Industry changed, started you know miniaturizing, mm-hmm. getting smaller. Uh, didn't have the requirement as much for the computer technicians. So uh, they started laying us off. Uh there was three left when they finally let me go. And from there, you got into trucking? No. Now I got into boats. <laughs> I, I was with DOT, still governed, and, and uh, had to have my physicals and everything with the Coast Guard. Yep. But I am a licensed 100-ton master, still. Still have my license. Uh, ran all sorts of different boats, party boats, cruise boats, dive boats, offshore oil field crew boats, uh, supply boats, and, and private boats. A lot of private boats. I had a lot of fun driving the private boats. So, so to clarify, then you were captain. Is that an official title? Then that is the you know you're in charge of the boat and everybody on it. Yeah, your word is is the law. So, doing that, where were you doing that? What kind of locations were you? you well, the oil field was all based out of the uh, Gulf of Mexico, so I ran out of Louisiana and Texas a lot, uh, and then on the private industry side, uh, private boats. I ran a 74-foot custom halter sport fisher out of uh, Freeport, Texas, for a gentleman. His name was Ed Bass. He was the owner. and he's, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I know that name. The Basses are, there's different families. But, okay. But his story is with he and him and Sam Meineke uh, got together, uh, started an auto parts service station, and eventually grew it to 34 stores in the Houston, Pasadena area. And then they sold out to CarQuest. Uh, Sam Meineke, Mm -hmm. you know his stores as Meineke Muffler Shops. Yep. (laughs) So. uh, Fascinating. Interesting gentleman. Uh, Still, he's still alive. He's in his 80s. Uh, But we ran his boat uh, from 2001 to 2006. Uh, Did the tournament fishing trail. So the first tournament we ever fished on that boat for me uh, was based out of Port O'Connor, Texas. It's called the Poco Bueno. The, it was, at the time, it was one of the biggest tournaments we did. The first year we fished it, 
we won first place with a 654-pound wow. blue marlin. $575,000. Wow. For three days of fishing. Wow. That's not that's not a bad weekend. <laughs> not a bad at all. <laughs> so, and then we backed it up. We were the boat to 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 beat uh, for the time I was with the boat. Uh, everybody show up. But the first year, we won five out of six tournaments. Wow. That's and, awesome. And then every year, we were always placing first or second or third and having good showing. So, we, we had a really awesome team to work with. And it wasn't just me being the captain. It was, it was a team of all the people working together. You want to explain to me how that even works? Cause I'm not, I'm not real familiar with uh, tournament fishing and, and, you know, you're talking about having a team. Uh, so can you describe some of that for me? You have, usually you have the main captain uh, in charge of the whole thing and taking care of the boat and making sure everything is ready to go. And all the crew is ready to go, making sure we got plenty of food for everybody to eat. Uh, we have different anglers that, they're designated to sit in the chair and fight the fish whenever we get a fish on. We also have our deck hands or deck crews who are tying the lures, making sure everything is set up to go. The rods and reels, the line on the reels are ready to go. Uh, setting the spread out, getting the outriggers in the right position, um, and then selecting the right lures for the conditions that we're in. Uh, dark lures for bright days and light colored lures for dark days in different weather conditions. My job was at this, as the captain was to find the areas that we think the fish would be in. And I did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So once, I mean, uh, once you get a fish on the line there, what, what, how long are you talking about reeling that thing in? Depends on the size of the fish uh, and, and the angler's skills. Uh, we've had a lot of anglers that would take, uh, you know, a couple of hours. Wow. Uh, depending on the size of the fish and, we're talking fish over 300 pounds most right. of the time. On the Poco fish, the 654 pounder, I had a bodybuilder in the chair. Uh, <laughs> and he was he was a tough guy, and we were on a tight schedule. We'd already made the decision that if we didn't catch a fish by one o'clock, we were just going to shut it down, have fun, fish for ourselves, and then go on back home. Yeah. Uh, but we hooked up at 11:35, had the boat or the fish in the boat by 12:45, and on our way back to the docks because we had a 150 miles to run that's to get back to, the, back to the docks. That's cool. Before the time limit was up. Nice. So he did an awesome job. Everybody worked together. It's just everything falls in place, and you get to go home with a lot of money in your pocket. <laughs> now, you were telling me, uh, you showed me a picture of one of those, uh, is it fair to call that a yacht? What, what, what? It's a sport fishing yacht. Sport, okay. Um, beautiful looking looking boat. So we'll have to share some pictures, I think, yeah. uh, so some other people can see it. But uh, that just looks like a lot of fun, uh, just being out on the water and, and spending some time out there. It's fun for the people that go out and enjoy it, but for the captain and crew, it's a lot of work. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of long days. Uh, there's been days when we went on our charter trips where I didn't get to sleep for about three or four days, maybe an hour nap here and there, and that was it. Gets tough. Yeah. And it's it's all the prep work, getting fuel on the boat, food on the boat, getting all the equipment ready to go, uh, making sure the boat's clean, all the linens inside and sheets and everything's yeah. set up. You know, we're talking five staterooms, five bathrooms okay. in this boat that I ran, the 74-footer. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's kind of it's, like it's a, a hotel on, on water. A yeah, bit. a bit of rocks and rolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> deal with all that. Do you, you ever have to deal with uh, – 
clean up? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that uh, can't handle the seas. You know, it gets a little rocky rolly for them and the equilibrium gets out of whack. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There's a little bit of uh, barfing going on. <laughs> so uh, being in that, how does that contrast then the, the demand on your time from what you're doing now as a over the road driver? Do you feel like that some of what you did there kind of served you well coming into this career well being gone for 28 days at a time most of the time then being home for a few days yeah it kind of incorporates into S- driving a truck, kind of being gone yeah. all the time and that's what i told my my present wife i said when we get married i says it's not going to be the typical marriage i'm not going to be home every day at five o'clock yeah, yeah. <laughs> i says i'm gone and i'm gone for three or four or five weeks and then i get to come home for a couple of days yeah so how did you end up transitioning then from being in a boat, captaining a boat to uh, getting into trucking. Was that a direct transition at that point? It took me a couple of months. Uh, my wife and I had to do a lot of rethinking and restructuring on our end to get everything lined up to where I could take a major drop in money, income. Uh, to come from 100000 plus a year mm-hmm. income down to fifty, sixty, seventy thousand. 70000 mm-hmm. uh, it, it was a major adjustment for us. Because we had some nice toys. <laughs> sure. We, we had the motorcycles, we have the RV, we have the nice trucks, and we had nice cars for her yeah. to drive around in. So we had to really cut back on everything. Yeah. Um, but we have done quite well. The transition from the boating into the trucking has... Uh, it, a, lot of, a lot of similarities. You know, like I said, there's... A lot of preparation, getting things ready, making your trip plans, <laughs> where you're going to fish and everything. Now you got to figure out where you're going to go on the highway to get to where you need to be. And can I make it there in the time limit that yeah. the planners have told me to make it? <laughs> <laughs> where am I parking along the way if I need to? And yeah. yeah. Planning where you're going to stop at, where you're going to get something to eat, when you're going to yeah. take your showers. And then Mother Nature dictates the rest. <laughs> no doubt. That and um, the road crews. Yeah. <laughs> Highway construction, <laughs> then the, the the unforeseen accidents that happen, unfortunately, for the people out there. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff running down the highways. Where people's minds are nowadays, it's not on driving most of the time, I tell you that. You know, I can't tell you how many people I see driving down the road with that phone in their hand in front mm. of their face trying to drive to our 65, 70 miles an hour next to a big rig. Yep. I just want to honk at them and start hollering at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being on the ship too. I mean, you're, you need to stay focused there with everything that's going on around you. You got to do that in the truck as well. Right. Constantly. Focus. And, but the big difference there is you probably weren't dealing with as much traffic, especially um, non-professional traffic. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's still a lot of crazy people in boats out there too. Let me yeah. tell you, uh, uh, I'll bring up one quick story that I had. I was on the crew boat running inshore, and uh, I keep hearing on the VHF radio, hello, hello, hello. Can anybody hear me? Uh, Finally, I answered, it's the person calling hello. You you okay? He says, oh, thank goodness this thing does work. I said, oh, boy, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I says, uh, you got something wrong? He says, yes, 
I've been out here in my boat today, and I'm out of fuel. And I says, okay, you got yourself a new boat, huh? Yes, how'd you know? He says, because you're out here offshore, and you're out of fuel. <laughs> I says, the boat burns up a whole lot faster on the fuel rate than a car will. And uh, I says, ask the obvious questions. Do you have life jackets? How many people are on the boat? Uh, do you have enough food and water to last you through tomorrow if you have to? And uh, do you have a GPS or anything that can tell me where you're at? Oh, yeah, but I have to turn it on. I says, okay, we'll turn it on. And then when you get a latitude and longitude, let me know so I can figure out where you're at. He was 25 miles offshore in a 14-foot boat with six people on it. No. And had no idea where he was. He was just out driving around on his boat. Wow. And was out of fuel. He was about six miles behind me, so I couldn't turn around on my boat. But I notified the Coast Guard. Yeah. Coast Guard got a hold of him and said, yeah, we've been monitoring. <laughs> Thank you for all you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw him. <laughs> yeah. So they went out and got him. <laughs> oh. So that transition from boat to truck, what, what made you make that decision? A lot of research. Uh, at my age, I had to find something that I could get into fairly easily and fairly quickly. I looked at a lot of trucking companies online to figure out who would have the best training program so I could, you know, get well-trained. I was very fortunate. Uh, I picked up the number one large fleet company to drive for. I won't mention the name, but y'all can figure that I, out. You you can say their name. It's okay. Prime Incorporated. Uh, yep. And their, their training program is what really impressed me. They have their own hotel set up for the new incoming drivers. Uh, they'll bring you in. They pay for all that. They give you uh, money advance up front to get through. Uh, you have a hotel room. You have uh, food service that you get meal tickets for each day. Okay. Uh, their plan was as you come in, you have three days to go through their orientation, uh, get through uh, your physical and drug tests and everything, which they have all their own site doctors and everything on on their own premises so i mean it's, it's impressive um easier to do when you have a company the size of that <laughs> yeah when you get over six thousand trucks yeah <laughs> a little different here but <laughs> yeah. but no that's awesome that's yeah, great but, uh, by the end of the week on a friday they have a safety meeting everybody has free breakfast while they're having the meeting um i had a gentleman come and sit down next to me started talking with him and later in the day they interviewed and tried to figure out who's best matched as your trainer. Okay. And turned out to be when I got the call from people saying, you know, you got an instructor that's wanting to meet with you. You actually sit down and talk with each other, see if you really want to ride in a truck because that you're talking about a very small area for two guys yeah. to live in for a long period of time. Uh, you have to get along. Uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. Um, but since I'd already met the gentleman earlier this, that morning, he showed up and I says, oh man, <laughs> you already had me pegged. He says, yeah. Uh, he says, I knew that some of the, the driver instructors would come and look and see uh, at the students. And he says, I asked him flat out, I says, what made you want to work with me? He says, well, number one, you're prior military. He's Marine. Okay. Uh, Very good. Number two was, he says, I watched you. 
you were out there on the truck in which they had a, a truck set up in the parking lot that we could go and do our pre-trips on. He says, you were out there by yourself most of the time going through trying to learn it all. And then if anybody else did show up, you work with them and help them along as well. And he says that was, was impressive. And he was an extremely knowledgeable driver, taught me very well how to drive the truck. And their program is you drive 10,000 miles, you come back in, you go on the practice pad, then you get your, uh, you go through the test, drive, the actual driving test part of, the, of your exam, and then you get your license at that point. Then you become a full employee of the mm-hmm. company. Then you go out for another almost 30,000 miles plus, depending on how his feelings are. You know, he had me driving down the highways, and I'm sitting there, man, I've got 80,000 pounds of truck here, and I'm scared to death. You can't keep it, you know, in the... I mean, white knuckles the backs. <laughs> right. You know. And this is 10 speed, so shifting gears and downshifting, going down up, up and down the mountains and everything else. But, uh, he, you know, he kept me straight, and uh, we had a, a good time and learned a lot about the driving. That's probably helped me to the being the platinum driver and uh, certified red. Yeah. Uh, the programs here are good, real good. The equipment is outstanding. When you told me uh, the, the process of then – uh, leaving Prime and choosing another company to go to. Yeah, I met, made my commitments to Prime, uh, the one-year commitment uh, for the training cycle and everything. I was looking for something that was possible local out of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company I went to, I advertised that they had a position out of Little Rock, 60 miles away. I went and went through their orientation and then uh, found out that the position was actually out of Dallas. <laughs> That's a little further away. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, not one of my areas I really want to work out of. <laughs> it's bad enough I lived in Houston for a long time, so I knew the traffic, and I said, nah, I said, nah this ain't going to work. And then, and then the trucks that they tried to issue me, if I showed you pictures of what that truck looked like, nah. Uh, it's, it's a big change from yeah. what they offer than what we offer here. Yeah. Now to clarify, that was not through Prime. No, that was a different. It, it was carrier a different that carrier. Yeah. It started with an S. <laughs> we'll leave that. As, we'll leave it we'll there. Leave that just as it is. It's, there, it's, there's several companies to choose companies, from. Yes. <laughs> but it is a large company, and uh, but it, it really surprised me that they offered me what they offered me for a truck. Uh, it was it was just filthy, absolutely filthy. Now, you said you did some research uh, looking into Newsbomb, and how'd you actually even find out about Newsbomb to begin with? Uh, well, driving with Prime, I saw the car, the trucks on the highway, but never paid them too much attention until I was driving home from that bad scenario. Yeah, <laughs> uh, coming back to my house uh, up Interstate 30 in Arkansas, and one of Newsbomb's bright, shiny red trucks comes smoothing by, and I had to drive around him to get get to my house and uh, I said, let me get home and check this company out. Cause I haven't really heard anything much about them and heard anything good or bad. So when we got on the computers, uh, my wife and I looked it up and, and the more we read, the more impressed we were. And I says, you know, you know, God sent me this message and showed me that truck coming down the highway on my way home. Maybe this is a direction I needed to go coming into the company, the way, uh, Carol Johns talked with me during our conversations mm-hmm. to hire on, getting here, the orientation, the uh, 
the way we were treated, uh, the gift bags, the goodie bags that they give us. You know, <laughs> I mean, everything was in, extremely impressive the way this company starts a new hire out. Uh, again, getting in a decent, nice truck, automatics. <laughs> yeah, that's That was nice, really nice. Uh, and like I said, every opportunity that's here for me now is how do I work better? How do I drive better? And how can I help other drivers coming in? Now that I've been here for two years, so it'll be two years on the 14th of August. It's been really good. I had uh, my first DM that was fully assigned to me after Gary, uh, Nathan Wirtz. Uh, he and I got along extremely well, both being ex-military, ex-army. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked really good. I'm glad to see that he has moved up to his new position. Kind of left me hanging. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the unfortunate side effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, four four different DMs within the six months. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting because uh, we thought we had somebody set up and he said he was going to go somewhere else. Yeah. So it's, it's been fun trying to deal with all the changes. And, uh, that's one of the things I'll have to say about the company is, uh, I know this is, this year has been much different. My analogy of it is, is back up to December of this last year, our pulse rate was strong, very strong beat, very solid. This year, our heartbeat's a little flippy floppy. Um, we're, you know, we're not in sync. We're not at a full rhythm. We're not back up to our. We need to get to dancing again <laughs> and get our rhythm back. And I think once we get our rhythm back, our strong heartbeat's going to return. Yeah, it's just a little little fluctuation right it now. It has been a, a a interesting year. Uh, I'll just use that word, um, but it's been bit busy. In a lot of ways, there's been growth that's been happening, and some of that's growing pains, I think. Um, I don't disagree with you in your assessment. Uh, I, I think there's something to that. And uh, I know that we've heard from leadership that, you know, we're kind of going to pause on the on some of the growth here. And, and I think a lot of that is to kind of stabilize. Yeah, We have to catch our breath again. Yeah. Uh, and we, we've, we've accelerated up and— we're, we're, we're struggling a little bit right now, I mm-hmm. guess is the right word to say. Uh, but everybody's got to get through that learning curve and get back on the dancing page again and get the yeah. rhythm. Yeah. And we're just, we're just haven't found the right steps and the right dance partners. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll keep we learning the steps. and We're a strong company, and we're going to keep on moving yeah, forward. I, I fully believe that. And I think having drivers and, and others alike, like yourself, that you know believe in that, and, and help make it happen. I, I think we'll absolutely be there and takes, sooner than later, but it takes a team effort and everybody has to work as a team. And, you know, if you see another person struggling, well, step over and assist, mm-hmm. and help them figure out how to make it better. Don't sit back and watch everybody just kind of struggle along. Let's all work together as a team. The team is stronger when everybody pulls together. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you told me uh, that there's someone special to you that uh, you look up to, yeah. and uh, you said there's there's a good reason for that. And so uh, you didn't tell me yet, so I'm 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 interested to hear what you had to say. Yeah, I look up to my mother. Uh, she's an extremely 
uh, strong individual. Number one, she raised five kids with a husband who was ill, very ill. My dad died when I was 17. Mm. Uh, he was in, a boxer in the Army, uh, middleweight champion of Alaska in 1952. Wow. So to see him go from a top physical condition yeah. to deteriorate through my lifetime being with him, the 15, 16 years I was with him, that was devastating. Mm-hmm. It was tough to deal with. But my mother had to deal with it and help raise the five kids. During that time, she worked full-time, was a GS-13, working at Tinker Air Force Base in Midwest City, Oklahoma. She got a master's degree raising wow. kids wow. during that time. She uh, finally retired from Tinker, went and with her master's, taught school for a while in Missouri, continued on from there, became a historian. She is known as... Wanda Gray, historian. She's uh, worked with Indian tribes, Cherokee tribe out of Oklahoma called the Catula Cherokee tribe. We had some property that we donated so they could reestablish their homestead. Hmm. She worked about three years with that, helping get the, the tribe back homesteaded in Scott County, Arkansas. She is also an author of books. She has probably written and published about 25 books. What kind of books? A lot of genealogy, history okay. of uh, Scott County, Arkansas. Okay. She also went back to her hometown and became mayor of the city. <laughs> Just keeps going. Yeah. Like I said, she's uh, pretty much uh, wow. been a, a strong leader, and that's where I get a lot of my qualities from as far as my leadership skills and, and uh, analyzing situations and stuff. Is there any specific um, memories or um, qualities, sayings that, you know, she's passed on to you that, that you can grab a hold of very more, you know, more tangibly? I guess the taking charge of the situations, not letting things fall through cracks, being more aware of what's going on and being able to look at a bigger picture and not just be very narrow-minded. Mm. So what's your mom up to now? Uh, she's 88 years old. She's uh, living in her own house. Uh, she's struggling uh, a little bit because she's had some strokes. and uh, But she's still strong and still writing books and wow. helping raise my sisters. Put my sister through her, get her master's degree right now. No kidding. I've got two of my sisters will have master's shortly. Now, where's she living at? My mother lives in Waldron, Arkansas. Okay, so how far is that away from you? Uh, it's about an hour and a half. Okay. Okay. And so you're in Hot Springs, mm-hmm. right? And you were showing me some other pictures here earlier. Uh, the whole boating thing hasn't died no. with you. No. I'm, <laughs> and, I'm still, I still like boats. <laughs> and that, in that area, you've got quite a bit of water around you, several got, lakes to got work four with. four lakes. Uh, I got uh, Lake Catherine, Lake uh, Hamilton, like Washita and Lake DeGray, and then uh, you got Bull Shoals not too far away, and you got uh, Table Rock up in the northwest. So lots of water to play on. So you were showing me pictures of uh, this this boat that you've got um, that currently you're not taking out on the water, at least not yet. Now I've got to get back together. It's uh, I've got a 1976 Donzi Santa Fe. 
with a 351 Ford motor in it. Uh, it's about a 45, 50 mile an hour boat on the water. Uh, it's all original, 1976. It's the last hull of that design made. It's been documented by Donzi Corporation. It's a pretty boat. It's my fun boat. <laughs> now, that motor, though, it, you've been doing some work on that. I built the motor. Uh, it started out, uh, I had some friends that I worked with that were in the boating business, had a ranch. I helped work on their cattle ranch for a while. But the mother actually owned that boat. It sat on a trailer for 20 years. Hmm. Never ran after tw- for 20 years. So when she was, her husband was going to sell it, and they decided that uh, they wanted me to have it. And I made a deal. I said, okay, I'll buy it, fix it up, get it running, and then we'll give it back to the mother once it's up, back up and running and fully workable again. So we took it down to the beach house, uh, which was her birthday. I brought the boat around. She didn't know it was running and uh, drove it up in front of her. Tried to get her to get in the boat. She wouldn't get in the boat. (laughs) She says, all she wanted to do is see it run. Wow. Next thing I know, I've got the title and all the paperwork. Wow. That is that is so neat. Yeah. Was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but like I said, uh, took my kids out in it. We uh, stuffed it up in some mud and got <laughs> got it, the the in, air, water intake jammed up so it burned up the motor. Yeah. Okay. So now I've got to rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> so how far away are you from, from getting it all back together? Well, it's been sitting on a trailer for the last eight years. <laughs> okay. So it might... <laughs> Indefinite, still. <laughs> it's kind of hard to rebuild a motor when you're out here on the road every day. I don't know? understand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you do at least have some other boats that you can play with a little bit. I have my RC boats. Uh, I've partnered up with uh, the actual mother's daughter uh, of the Madonzi. Uh, we teamed up, and I think we got crazy on buying RC boats. We bought about 70 of them. <laughs> 70. Yeah, about 70 of them. And they're all different <laughs> types. Uh, and some of them will run about 20 miles an hour, and other ones will run well over 100 miles an hour. And trying to keep up with it, making it sure it turns the right way without crashing it. <laughs> That's fun. That is. Do, do you have any video of that? No, I don't have any videos okay. of the boats. But I know you got some, at least some pictures I of those. I got pictures of those. my toys. <laughs> You'll have to share those with me, and we can post those up. But um, that's that's fun. I, I I don't know. I like RC stuff, so they're a lot of fun. A lot of expense, but that's part of why I probably like flying the drone around here yeah. once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> but so that's cool. Um, Dennis, before I let you go, um, any words of, vi- of advice, wisdom that you would like to pass along to to other drivers or um, non-drivers, perhaps? Yeah, I have a, an analogy I've been working on and describing to some of the newer drivers that I mentor under the driver captain program. And uh, I say we have three types of drivers. You have driver A, driver B, driver C. Driver A is an old school driver, hammered down, just balls to the wall all the mm-hmm. time, just just hammering hard. Always frustrated, always pissed off, always saying, I can't make any money, I can't make any money. I'm driving my tail off. Mm-hmm. and But you take the three drivers, we're all driving, say, 2,000 miles a week, just a, just an arbitrary number. Like I said, driver A, he's driving hard. His fuel bonus and safety bonuses and everything else is not there. Uh, so he's losing money. And driver B has been with the company a little bit and is learning 
real well how to drive our style of driving with this company and doing a little bit better. And so their fuel bonus and everything is there. They're not quite to the platinum level yet, but they're real close. They're in the 680s, 690s. Then you have the platinum drivers and certified red drivers that are making everything they can possibly make that the company can offer to us. And that's driver C. Driver C. He's, he's making the best money. He's getting the biggest bonus. So my suggestion is to the drivers that are driver A, that, you know, driving hard, you're losing money, plain and simple. You know, back it off a little bit, slow it down just a little bit. Pay attention to how you're coming into the turns, how you're hitting the brakes, how you're accelerating. Yeah, I can drive 65 miles an hour and still be a platinum driver. I've been doing it. Yeah. You know, it's there. It's just you have to work on the other skills. It does take time. I would say it takes three to six months for an old school driver mm. to learn our new ways. But you have to be willing to learn those new ways. Mm-hmm. Our technology and our system and the way we're driving now is totally different from what we used to do. It's not a mandate that you have to drive 80 miles an hour to get everywhere. Right. Uh, you don't have to have three logbooks. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we got ELD now. We can't you do can't, it. You can't have three logbooks. <laughs> so, you know, take A, B, and C. Turn that around to ESOP. Driver A and driver B are canceling out each other on any profits that can go into our pockets later after we retire. Mm. Driver C is the one that's making the profit that now has to be divided between all three. Now, if all three of us were driving on the same level as a team effort working together towards a goal, then we have all of us making more money, more profit, and we'll walk away 10 years from now or 20 years from now with a larger ESOP money in our pocket. Yeah. That's my gift to the drivers. Well, I think that's some valuable, valuable advice and a very interesting way to put that and uh, especially wrap that into the the share of, of the ESOP with that. So, Dennis, thank you so much for, for your insight and the stories. I know we could have surely gone on to a bunch of other things, but maybe we'll have you back again for, for some more. It. But uh, thanks so much for, for sharing your, your wisdom and uh, for being here and appreciate you doing what you do and being part of the team. I appreciate you having me in here and to uh, share my knowledge and my little bit of self-history of things that I do. Very good. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, Go to newsbomb.com or newsbombjobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.